Welcome to Code Grays, an episode-by-episode recap of classic Grey's Anatomy from the very beginning. I'm Patrice Anthony, and I'm joined by Teresa Rosado. Today, we are recapping Season 3, Episode 8, Staring at the Sun. It's a TV on the radio song. Like one of my favorites of all time. <laughs> so fucking good. <laughs> Surprising no one. I love that song. <laughs> was that jaunty enough for you? That was so jaunty, Patrice. You, you guys, this so is good. the first time that I've done the intro. You did so good. And I recorded it one time, and Teresa basically told me I sounded like a dead fish. <laughs> She, she told me like, to be jaunty. I should have kept it, actually. I just should have kept it and, like, played it at the end of the episode or You something. guys, I am not a jaunty person. She was like, welcome to Code Grey's, an episode-by-episode recap of classic Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> something that people... Like, you can't be delivering the results of your findings at a regional conference. <laughs> Why not? That's not what we're a doing. A serious thing that many people have told me, is, including my former couples counselor, <laughs> is that you have a really flat affect. <laughs> <laughs> it's always nice to hear. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, you sound really boring. <laughs> I have the opposite. Mm-hmm. I get the feedback all the time that's like, bring it down mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> You're being a lot. <laughs> Why are you being so much? <laughs> uh, so this, and then they meet my mom and they're like, ah. ah oh, I oh, see. I see, yes, I see, I, I see, it. I see. <laughs> well, mm, the apple does not far fall, far fall, far fall, <laughs> fall far from Patrice the tree. Patrice just had a stroke live on air. <laughs> 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 TV on the radio fucking rocks, staring at the sun yes. fucking rocks. Um, uh, this is not that's, this is not my favorite TV on the radio song. It's not mine either. Ooh, oh, ooh, ooh. Ooh. oh my god! What's your favorite TV on the radio song? Yeah. You first. No, you first. Oh, I fine. asked you first. Mine is Wolf Like Me. Oh, great song! Literally. It is the song that I want Gets to be me fucking dri- amped. Exactly. So amped. So amped. Literally, anytime I put it on, I roll down both of my windows, and then I'm just screaming. Oh, oh, oh yes. I'm like, I'm so amped right now just yeah. thinking about it. No! <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that song. It's like a five-hour energy drink, like, in song form. <laughs> wait, wait. Should we have a music podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah. Should yeah. we add it to our stable of hypothetical podcasts? I'm ready. Also, like, during this quarantine time, let's We've got start... nothing but time. We've got nothing but time, but also let's just start curating this list of uh, horror, horror movies. Films. Yes. <laughs> At a later date, Teresa and I will be having a 31 days of horror podcast during yeah. October where we review horror films yeah, that's every our, single day. That's our plan for the summer is to knock out some recaps, to start the summer knocking out some recaps of classic horror so that come October, Code Grace. <laughs> From the minds behind Code Grace. <laughs> From the producers that brought you Code, Code Grace. <laughs> we'll come... 31 days of random horror films that we chose based on no rubrics whatsoever, just what we personally enjoy. Exactly. Exactly what you want to hear. <laughs> it's going to be great. I'm sure you'll want to listen, all five listeners. Yeah, yeah. They listen for our voices, you know, not just the content. Right. They'll right. definitely follow us to a new show. Oh, totally. Totally. Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> So this episode. Yeah. uh, Directed by Jeff Melman. Mm -hmm. I feel like we've gotten a lot of him recently. Yeah, Jeff. His name has become very familiar to me. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. I feel like he directs a lot of really good episodes. This episode was great. I actually was like so fucking pumped. I like yelped when this episode ended and I shouted, I have to text Patrice. And she did. And I did. Listener, I did. Literally the text said, episode eight is so great and I can't wait to talk about it. I know. I was just like, I can't. I need. I wish we were recording right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, written by the former husband-wife team, Gabrielle Stanton and Harry Worksman, mm-hmm. aired November 16th, 2006. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about this opening? <laughs> oh, my God. This bubble bath. First of all, okay, I'm not a bath person. 
Patrice and I differ here. I love a fucking bath. I'm I'm pretty. I recently took a three hour bath. <laughs> yes, she and did. it was the best decision I've ever made. And my immediate response to her telling me this was. I'm so bored just thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) You just get to think. Yeah. Get to be alone with your thoughts. Yes. Your boo was playing Breath of the Wild for the entirety of your bath time. Or napping. That to me sounds magical. That sounds great. I really get that. She was either sleeping or playing Breath of the Wild. I don't remember which one. Either of those things make a lot more sense to me. No. Yes. (laughs) It was so good. Oh, man. Gina, Gina, my partner also loves baths. Not, not about it. Pro bath, <laughs> but only pro. Like pro baths are not for cleaning. I will say that they are no. not for cleaning yourself. No, that's really important. I take a shower before and after Same. I take a bath. Oh my god! Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Otherwise, what? You're just gonna sit in your filth? That's disgusting. Blech. That's horrifying. Yeah, people out here not even washing their legs. Take a bath. Not washing their hands, not washing their legs, not washing anything. <laughs> um, so this bubble bath starts uh, starts the episode, and um, it's it's complicated because Meredith seems to be saying like we're we're not gonna fuck, we're just taking this bubble bath, and Derek is like, huh? And right. Because... I, the viewer, am also like, huh? <laughs> Because why, if you wanted to take it slow and not have sex, would you get fully naked? And just like a have bathtub? his penis pressing against you. Also, how are they <laughs> sitting in this? Is she yeah. just sitting on top of his lap? Is she in between his leg? What's happening here? Well, she's like three quarters a person, so like I feel like yeah, fitting them in is also like fine. taking a bath with someone else sounds like my nightmare. Yeah, I only want to bathe with myself. Yeah, I think that's completely, completely fine. Yes. I but, take I take baths with people, but I wouldn't say it's like my favorite activity. No, that sounds fucking terrible. Don't get in a fucking bath with me. <laughs> Noted. Don't climb into the bath when Patrice is in there. <laughs> I'm trying to relax. I got I it. Don't want your sexual energy <laughs> anywhere near me. Wow. Wow. I'm that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um It's it's weird and I don't wanna say that um Meredith is setting him up for failure but she's pretty much setting this man up for failure yeah the only (laughs) thing i agree with that meredith says in this opening is she basically says like the waiting is fun and i will agree yeah that's true anticipation for sex extremely hot but not in a bubble bath uh i could see how that would be hot but like it wouldn't last very long Mm -mm. for me Mm -mm. anyway if mm-hmm. I was in the... Well, actually, no. The bubble bath might turn me off because it'd be like, why the fuck are you inside my bath? <laughs> I was trying to relax and you got yourself into my fucking bath. Yeah. And now you want to get into me? No, sir. Mm-mm. Or ma'am. No. Also, like, did you shower before you got into yeah. my bathtub? They you definitely did not shower before you they got into that bath. Ruined you ruined know it. they didn't. You, you ruined know it. they didn't. You've ruined it. Based on skin tone alone, we know that they did not bathe before the bath. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, so also a part of this opening, after this weird bubble bath scene, where there are entirely too many bubbles. Yeah. I think I used to think that baths were like this, that you could maintain Same. that level of bubbleness, but you it's not. That's not a bath you should Those be Those are in. fake bubbles. Yeah. Um, we cut to Ellis. Yes! Ugh. Give me Ellis Gray. All what a the bitch. Time. I love Kate Burton. She's a what great a actress. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Meredith comes in to talk to her and <laughs> Ellis like, is basically oh, you like, again. <laughs> I don't fucking care about you. Please leave. And then the chief walks in and she lights up. She's like, oh, Richard. Yes. My daughter. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Dickie, my boy. So happy to see you. <laughs> Who's Dickie? Richard. Oh, okay. <laughs> Keep up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Giving people weird names. Um, so, but should we get into our rounds? That's what I was gonna yeah, say. Yeah. We just had to cover the bubble bath in the opening. Yeah, exactly. and staring at the sun and TV on the radio. Yes. Those are the things that we had to cover prior to the rounds. I believe that it's your turn. I'm to pretty do sure the that I'm on deck to do the rounds this week. Um, that's gonna be great. So I believe in you. Why don't you? Why don't you go ahead and count me off? I feel ready. Three. Two, one. So we start out with Harold O'Malley, George's dad, who uh, broke his clavicle somehow. I don't remember how. But anyway, it ends up he has cancer. He has a bad heart. Basically, (laughs) Harold goes downhill quick. Um, We also have Mia, a child who was accidentally backed over 
by her nanny who was in the car ready to run out and get some last minute groceries. We've got a guy named Frank who came in for pec implants and refers to himself in the third person exclusively. That was almost good. And I think that's it. <laughs> and Ellis Gray, as previously mentioned. So it's totally fine that I didn't even get there. It's like totally fine. Yeah, you did great. It was great. I'm going to give you that. Okay. Oh, this was such a good episode. It's where so where should we start? Um, um let's let's start with the lesser case. Let's the start lesser with case? Frank. Okay. Great. Love the Frank storyline. Not Frank himself, who's right. terrible. But what they're building through <laughs> is, the Frank storyline. So wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so what what happens? We've got um so Sloan is obviously the attending on this case. It's a plastics case. Frank has come in for pec implants because his girlfriend has a very hot trainer and Frank uh in his previous relationship, lost a girlfriend um, to a guy with really lush hair, and he got hair plants, but... Hair plants? Hair plants? Hair implants? Plugs? Plugs. That was the word. Hair plants. I was looking for. He got I was hair like, a chia plants. He got a succulent, just right on top of his head. So he got hair plugs, but he says it was too late. So this time he's getting the pec implants now. He's being now. proactive. Yeah, really. he's being proactive, which we should all aspire to these days. Yeah. And uh, he's hoping that these pec implants will um, keep him from losing this girlfriend. Save his relationship. Doubtful, yeah. though, if he's constantly speaking in the third person. Right. That's a key part of Frank is um, I actually thought maybe Frank needed to see Raj. I thought that this mm, was. Yes. This was a time to call in Raj. Maybe I feel that we should call in Raj too often, but not in this case. Mm -mm. We needed Raj. So Karev is uh, the resident on, or excuse me, the intern on this case. And Izzy is assigned to Karev for the day because Izzy is still on probation. Um, And (laughs) Bailey reminds her of what that means in a very hilarious monologue that Karev tries to stop. He's like, I think Izzy knows what what probation is and Bailey just gives him like truly just scowls at him like reduces him to dust and then promptly recites all of the things Izzy cannot do while on probation (laughs) just insert that here no touching patients no talking to patients no rolling your eyes at the patients or your superiors (laughs) I love Bailey so much (laughs) she's having some good episodes um, so Karev and Izzy are dealing with both Sloan, who's kind of a jackass, but also they seem to be the only interns like practicing medicine this episode. Agree. Um, in a responsible manner. So I think he weirdly does maybe a good job of teaching. <laughs> but they also are sort of uh, finding finding their way back into a friendship with one another. And that's what makes this and it's so storyline so great. It's really fucking sweet. We get more of that vulnerability from Alex that we got in um, episode seven. Um, it it almost feels like it comes out of nowhere that Alex still feels strongly for Izzy, but um, it's just sort. Of, Frank picks up on the fact that he's feeling this way and tells Alex to sort of do a grand gesture. Yeah. Uh, to get her attention again. Um, and so what Alex does is let Izzy interact with the patient, which is, she's not supposed to do. So she takes out the drains. Um, but like all throughout the episode, Alex and Izzy are just like having such a fun time together. And they're talking to each other uh, in the third person. <laughs> talking refer- to other people right. by referring to themselves in the third person. And it's it's just, it's so sweet. And I do... Like episodes like this remind me that I really did love Izzy and Alex together. They were mm-hmm. a great complement to each other, and I know that's like a problematic thing to think. <laughs> it's, In twenty twenty, it's a rough time. Yeah, <laughs> to ship we Izzy and know. Alex. Okay, we are aware of the sabotage to mm. Alex Karev's character. We know. We, we feel know. for Gray's Nation. We know. <laughs> What's their ship name? Uh, Azzy? Azzy? Illix? I think Azzy is better. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, it's just it's so nice. Alex is so soft in this episode and yeah. just like and really goofy. yeah, goofy and just so he's like sticking up for Izzy. He's doing nice things for her. He's just like being not a jerk, <laughs> which yeah. is what we're really used to seeing. Yeah. Um and they're really planting those seeds for Alex to become the Alex that people really come to love in the later seasons. Yeah. It's nice because um it's it's true that Karev um, having feelings for Izzy feels maybe slightly out of pa- place, but it's worth like reminding viewers that when Denny died, he was the one who carried, literally carried mm-hmm. Izzy, like took took Izzy onto his lap, like. It wasn't that long ago, actually. That probably only a month. <laughs> yeah, probably. We don't know. Yeah, we're probably at like two months now. But it just wasn't that long ago in the showtime that uh, Karev was was pretty smitten with Izzy, and I always like watching Karev with Meredith or Izzy because he can access tenderness with both of those characters in a mm. way that he cannot with anyone else. Um, and number one, that like that super resonates for me. But number two, it's just like he has such good chemistry. Like Justin Chambers has such good chemistry with Katherine Heigl. And he has really good chemistry with Ellen Pompeo as yeah. well. And so it's 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 genuinely delightful to watch Justin and Catherine playing off of each other in this episode. I think it's like those two actors like being the most enjoyable versions of their respective characters. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. And Frank is like, Frank is weird. Like he's a fucking weirdo. Like he is extremely annoying, but he's also sort of endearing by the end of the episode too. And like his storyline never goes to a dramatic or crazy place, which is actually like a nice respite. Yes. Like it's the rest of the episode feels so yeah. um, high drama and so emotional. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's like you enjoy these moments with this patient storyline even more because the rest of the episode is like, whew, so stressful. It's so, so stressful. heavy. <laughs> so tear-inducing. Let's talk about, like, the run-up to the kiss. Ooh, yes. Yeah. So Izzy is feeling high off the fact that she got to do even a little, practice a little bit of medicine. You know, she basically, she just took out a drainage tube. Um, and they've, they've had day. a good day all day. Um, and honestly, in this moment, like, I know the embarrassing thing is going to happen. And... I actually feel for Izzy because it's like that yeah. moment that every woman dreads when they have a friendship with a man and they're like, oh, this is so great. It's so wonderful. And then the guy makes a move and you're like, oh, fuck. God damn it. You have to ruin everything with your penis. We were having a great time. Fuck. Yeah. So they're they're running up the stairs and Izzy is just like talking about how that was so great and thanking Alex for being kind, which... I would also feel shitty about because I'm like, oh, were you only nice to me because you wanted mm-hmm. to fucking get mm-hmm. in my pants again? Yeah. Ale- and I know that those, you know, those mm-hmm. are kind of Alex's intentions, but not in a malicious way. And yeah. he kisses her because they're in the moment. And Izzy, of course, pulls away and said, you know, I'm, I, can't. I can't. I'm not ready. Which, of course, she's not totally ready. Like, reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> of course, she's not ready. But I think the the saving grace of this is that while I think like season one or season two, Alex would mm. get defensive and yep. get mad and push her away. He totally understands. Yeah. Um, and we get this great scene <laughs> at Joe's um, a little later where Alex is drinking and like, you know, having some peanuts and probably sulking a little bit. And Izzy comes up and, you know, she says, I'm sorry, I'm just not ready. And Alex talks in the third person <laughs> and says, Alex gets it. Alex is sorry, such an idiot. Can I see by Alex a drink? Alex would like that. <laughs> yes, he can. <laughs> and they just like have a <laughs> it's fucking so sweet good. moment. It's so good because it's so unexpected. 
Like, I, yeah. you're really ready for Alex to just... Botch it? Botch it, to just self-sabotage, just be a dick. And it's a marker of how much he actually cares about Izzy outside of his romantic feelings that he's able to make fun of himself in a sweet mm-hmm. way. You know, Alex gets it. Alex wishes he wasn't such a jerk sometimes, yeah. you know. And uh, it's it's really nice, and it, it does seem to, like, mark... Um, mark a change for this character and this season is gonna bring some intense things Karev's way mm-hmm. um and and I I like I'm I'm super looking forward to Karev becoming more of a character I agree that's exciting yeah yeah also um unpopular opinion but I never liked Joe so I I actually kind of agree. Shonda did Joe wrong and did Karev wrong and Joe's kind of terrible. I don't think that Joe is terrible, <laughs> but I think that she's just like not a very compelling character. I don't remember what the actress's name who plays her is, but Camille Luddington. Yeah. Um yeah, she just she's kind of flat for me even in her really dramatic times. Um it doesn't it doesn't read well for me. So I've, I, I, I've never been fully committed to her. And I, yeah, obviously we're, we're like in intense spoiler territory because we're in season three right now. And that happens so much later, but, um, <laughs> like a decade later, I know <laughs> just like the, the whole arc of their relationship and Alex needing to save her, which is a thing for Alex. Like that, that's obviously a thing that comes up again and again for him with like saving the women in his life, but yeah, they're an admirable quality, I would say, or a white savior quality, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, their relationship. I know a lot of people really appreciate their relationship because it brings out a lot of soft sides of Alex, but it never their chemistry was never there for me. Yeah, yeah, same, same. I was, yeah, I always felt he had way more chemistry with uh, Ellen Pompeo, and not that that needed to be romantic chemistry Mm-mm. with them, but. Yeah. Just anyway. (laughs) Anyway. But we know. We know you're all hurting. We're here for you. It's a tough time. It's a tough time. Tough (laughs) tough time. Uh who do we want to chat about next? Let's um let's save the O'Malley's for last. Let's cover Mia um and her family. Yeah. Uh, so Mia Hansen is a five-year-old girl who's brought in via ambulance uh, with severe crush injuries. Um, and initially, the EMT that brings her in says that she was backed over by her mother. Um, and there is a frantic young woman with her crying and trying to console Mia. Um, but it turns out that that's actually the nanny um, and not her mother. And Her mother is there as well. Um, so she got run over by the car while the nanny was going out to get some milk or some something like that. And the mother was inside. Uh, this <laughs> this storyline resonates for me in many reasons. One, because I am a former nanny. And so like the the emotional bits of this episode where there is a like powerful working mother who um, probably feels you know, feels a little bit of resentment towards the nanny that their child <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> okay. That their child prefers the nanny over them or that, you know, they there there's a lot of nuance that they could have covered in this, but I actually think they do it pretty well. Um so she's got a lot of crush injuries and then it turns out that she's got a brain bleed. There's a mm. lot going on. Um but the family fires the nanny for a little bit and be, and the little girl which <laughs> valid like fair she ran over your <laughs> yeah, child exactly that <laughs> seems like a pretty legitimate response <laughs> you're fired um <laughs> like if you're not firing your nanny for that like what, what, are, what are you, you firing fire her for, for? <laughs> although you know maybe you could have a little bit of like insight to say like this was obviously an accident that could have happened to anyone to anyone yes of course um but the, I feel so bad for the little girl because they're just fighting around her all the time. 
Um, and all she wants is like for her nanny Anna to like come and comfort her. But also, it's I'm possible like, that she does not know any words other than the name Anna. She yeah. says it so often. That's the only thing she I says. Mean, she's like Anna. five, so Anna. she probably knows other words. <laughs> but it, it's also hard because like I'm like this little girl per her, but I'm also like, God damn it, kid, you're complaining a lot. She's like, you're not singing the song right. Yeah. You're no, I want Anna, and I'm just like, oh god, this poor mother. <laughs> it's it's hard. It's like we're clearly like meant to demonize the parents at least a little bit. A little I, bit. I do yeah. think that they complicate it by the end of the episode, and I, and I think there's space for it to be more complicated and nuanced, which is good. But but it is hard to watch and just be like, I don't know. These are two people who are just like trying to make a living and trying to keep a part of themselves while they also have a child. Right. And And the child's response to them, in particular the mother, um, is pretty fucking heartbreaking. And the mother does not seem to be like a person who doesn't love her child. No. Like we don't get any indication that she's like an unloving or or toxic mother. She's just not a present a woman who wants a career yeah yeah she's just she's a woman with a career and who wants that career and who also loves her daughter and has has is still sorting through like priorities right and her husband is not helping with that and um so it's just like it's a really heartbreaking storyline and it's it's heartbreaking to see the girl's reaction to everything and the poor nanny, Anna, who you're just like, fuck. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. Right. Um, it's pretty sad. So I think with Meredith and so Meredith and Bailey are on this case. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we get the two sides of the arguments. Meredith obviously being in the position of the child because we got that opening with Ellis where yep. Ellis didn't have time for Meredith. Um, and actually says at one point, like. I'm busy saving lives. Don't you understand? <laughs> Don't that? you understand that? <laughs> it's like, wow, okay. And so, you know, Meredith is primed to use this case as a metaphor for her own life, obviously, as is Bailey, because she is a busy parent who has a young child at home. And so Meredith uh, very quickly puts her foot in her mouth with Bailey, basically saying, like, I don't understand why you'd even choose to have a kid if you're never going to see it. Um, Like, do you, you know, do you even love While they're in surgery. I know. (laughs) And then she catches herself because Bailey's looking at her with that withering look (laughs) um, and says, like, oh, are you implying that I don't love my child anymore because I'm here saving a life? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Fuck. Fire. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and Meredith has no choice but to try and back down immediately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like... And so, of course, Extricate we see... foot from mouth. I know. Um, of course, we see Bailey um, give the other side of the story, basically. Yeah. Yesterday, I left for work early. And Tuck's favorite food was strained peas, nasty green gunk, but he loved them, ate them for breakfast. I got home after a 15-hour shift, and he doesn't like strained peas anymore. He only wants carrots. Life moves so fast. Everybody moves. Chandra Wilson does, like, a really nice job with it. Mm. Um, But it's just really it's really sad and it's also just it's very it's very accurate that like things things with the baby are changing so so quickly um and of course she's gonna miss those little things but they're not little things to her right Um, but and that doesn't also just like because the mother in this situation also gives a monologue where she's like i love my career and i also love my child and i'm good at my career and but you know maybe sometimes I'm not so good at the mothering but I'm trying my best yeah um and Bailey's just basically saying like I I love a career I love my career and like it's unfair that I have to choose which is like literally the the dilemma of every working mother in the United States right now (laughs) no one bothers to question the father yeah (laughs) yeah storyline yeah um, and it sort of closes Which out. Which they do acknowledge. Yeah. They do, like, someone says that at one point. Like, no one's questioning 
him. The the yeah. mother does yeah, the in mother her monologue. That, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so the this story wraps up. Mia doesn't die. <laughs> yeah, important to note. <laughs> Mia doesn't die. She does have to have two surgeries I in know, one day. Back which to is back. A lot. One on her brain. Which is a lot. But. Um, and when she wakes up from that second surgery, she wants Anna, and it seems like the mother gets mad, but she goes to get Anna, and they sing the song that the mom got wrong ahead of time. And it's really lovely and really beautiful. And the storyline wraps up with uh, Chandra Wilson with Bailey calling um, to sing to Tuck. Mm -hmm. So she sings God Bless the Child. And it's a really beautiful rendition. She has a Chandra Wilson has like a wonderful voice. And it's um, what is it called when there's no instrumentation? It's acapella. (laughs) Yep, that's I wanted what it's to say called. Acapulco. <laughs> no, it's not that. That's not right. Um, she sings an acapella, and it's like a montage of these other really heartbreaking scenes, which we can get into. Um, but it's it's just lovely, and it's lovely that she has that moment to connect with Tuck when she is feeling very vulnerable and mm-hmm. um, probably guilty, and just feeling a lot of feelings. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. It is. It's got to be like a top 10 episode finish for me. I agree. Is Chandra Wilson singing God Bless the Child to end the episode. To so, close this out. yeah. So one of the things happening in the montage while she's singing is um, Meredith visiting Ellis. Mm. And I feel like this is a good tie in since like this whole case is basically a yeah. metaphor. Yep. Um. So we talked about earlier how Meredith went to go visit Ellis because um, we didn't say this part, but it was disclosed that the nurses there had said that Ellis had not been eating. Mm -hmm. When Richard came, he brought her food. Um, And so midway through this episode, um, Richard, probably because of the episode seven talks that he had, um, realizes that he misses Adele. He's been living in this hotel for a long time. Um, and he's ready to, uh, go back to her. But during this time period, he has been just going to visit Ellis probably every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say like what, what feels problematic, like about this Ellis Richard narrative that's happening right now is like he, it feels like he is using Ellis as a crutch. He doesn't have his wife. He is feeling lonely, and so he's leaning on her and going back to her because he doesn't have Adele. And so then when he comes to the realization that he misses Adele, he doesn't want to, you know, like, sew buttons on his own shirts. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He basically breaks up with Adele through Meredith. He calls Meredith into his office. No, breaks up with Ellis through Meredith. Uh, I'm sorry, yes. Breaks up with Ellis through Meredith. He calls up uh, Meredith into his office and she's like, she basically thinks that he's going to talk about the situation that happened in the morning. Mm -hmm. She's like, you know, I get it. And what's positive for her is positive for me. So I want you to keep visiting. And he says, you know, like, Mm. I want to go back to Adele. um, So I can't keep going around. He doesn't even have the balls to go and visit Ellis and say, like, I'm not going to be coming around anymore. Yeah. Um, so during this montage where Shonda Wilson is singing, God bless the child, Meredith goes to visit Ellis. Um, and Ellis is like, oh, I'm so glad you visited, but I'm expecting someone. And Meredith has to tell her that Richard isn't going to be coming around anymore. Um, and, uh, Kate Burton, the actress just like plays this Mm. heartbreak so well. Um, yeah, her face breaks sort of in that, like, Patrick Dempsey. Yes. <laughs> Derek yeah. sort of way. and <laughs> Good catch. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's really... It's so sad. And she, of course, um, is living sort of inside this memory. And so she says, he's he's going back to Adele, isn't he? Um, or, you know, he's going back to his wife, isn't he? And, and Meredith just confirms that. And it's just so sad. I was thinking about it because I can distinctly remember um, watching Grey's Anatomy when I was younger and thinking of Ellis Gray as kind of a bad guy character mm-hmm. and thinking of the chief as 
like an honorable guy who like went back to his wife or whatever. I don't know. It's not that I necessarily idealize the chief's behavior, but I just definitely when I was younger thought very poorly of Ellis. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that that ha- has become more complicated as I've gotten older, just because the show has been sure to complicate Ellis Gray's character in really interesting ways. But also, like, now I'm looking at it as an adult woman and I'm just like, what a shitty, shitty man. <laughs> like, yeah, like what a shitty man. Like when when Ellis is talking at the end of this episode to Meredith about like, I have to raise this child alone. Um meaning Meredith, it's like, it's so sad. It's so heartbreaking to watch. And it's it's really sad to think that, like, Ellis, Ellis blew up her life to be with Richard, mm-hmm. which must have meant that she felt pretty sure about where Richard was at. <laughs> right. And then Richard was like, JK, I'm going back to my wife. And yeah. I, I'm not, like, I'm not sitting here like, oh, it's terrible that he went back to his wife. Like, I don't think it's that simple, but it's also not as simple as, like, Ellis is a terrible person. Right. They really cast <sighs> cast Ellis in the light of being the other woman, which, like, we often do with situations of affairs, and it's casting Richard in the light of, like, he's doing the right thing. Yeah. He's being the bigger, better person. But really, he's not. He, especially in this situation, he's in control of it. Yeah. Because she has Alzheimer's. Yeah. And is living inside a memory. Yeah. And he is is manipulating that yeah. and is taking advantage of that. He had the chance to do it differently on this side of their lives. And he still chose the exact same way that he had chosen, like, 30 years previously. Right. That's so fucked up. <laughs> That's so fucked up. No growth. <laughs> incredible. Like an incredible lack of growth. It's almost impressive, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I feel, yeah, you really feel for Ellis in this scene, um, which, I mean, speaks to like great writing and great acting to me um, because they do villainize Ellis so much mm-hmm. in this yeah. show. Yeah. 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 So should we go ahead and talk then about um, another family? Yes. Detective O'Malley and his dad, Harold, and just a whole group of awful men. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I I like Harold the most out of the O'Malley's. But like, I'm not even like 100% in on Harold. I'm sure he's a Trump supporter. (laughs) Yes, he absolutely. (laughs) He absolutely would have voted for Trump. (laughs) Um. Uh, so I guess that verb tense is a spoiler. Anyway, um, ouch! Oh, oh! Um, so we come in on the O'Malley's, and it appears that Harold's just broken his clavicle. He fell down or something. I think um, a lot of clumsy people these last two episodes. I know, falling all over. <laughs> So um, there's a lot of scenes with, like, showing the relationship between George and his brothers and his dad. His mom isn't there yet. Um, And, of course, George can't be on this case because it's his family. Um, And for some reason, like like you said in your notes, Teresa, (laughs) now is when Grace, when, um, what the fuck is this hospital Seattle Grace. Seattle Grace. Now is when Seattle Grace decides that they're going to abide by the rules. It doesn't like, it's like George is being annoying by wanting to be in on this endos- endoscopy so badly. But but it's just like, why would he expect anything different? Like, when has this hospital ever paid any attention to rules, to the American Medical Association, to the donor? Like, to anything. Process. Like, and so it must his- be a real shock to him. <laughs> To be like, oh, now, now, <laughs> now I can't participate. <laughs> so his his brothers are the most obnoxious versions Ugh. of like basically country white men that have ever existed. It's really patronizing. It's so the characterization of these of these men is is so patronizing. I I get really like. I don't know why I get defensive about this because like what the what the fuck do I care how like how like 
hick white people are presented in the world. But like, <laughs> I don't know, my Montana hackles go up just slightly when I'm mm. like, like these guys, these guys aren't nobody is this dumb. Right. Like nobody's nobody's um, understanding of the world is so limited that it must be that like problems must be described to them in um, sustained car analogies. <laughs> like that's not a thing. No. People can understand if you say the word like the cancer has metastasized. Sure. It may be that they don't know what the word metastasized means. But then when you say that means that the cancer has spread from where it started to other parts of your father's body, you don't need a car analogy to explain that. Not They're not that dumb. Not That's insulting. That's yeah. fucking insulting. You're insulting me. You're insulting a lot of people with this like, right. characterization. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, it is. so angry. They sort of... the only part of this episode I hate. The only part? Yeah. Uh, so they sort of, yeah, they set it up where his brothers are just sort of like goofs who don't understand anything. And it, it's really a sort of family dynamic that I find infuriating. And I, I actually feel for George in those moments where he's trying to speak to his family and mm-hmm. he is yeah. just like the black sheep. He's the odd person out. He he doesn't vibe with them at, at all, but they're super infantilizing to him. Yeah. Um, and are basically ribbing him in the way that you would probably find among siblings when they're like in middle school. Yeah. Um, it's so strange. You know, they're just like telling him like, oh, you're not a real doctor. Like why, you know... Why can't you tell us what's going on? Oh, we don't want you to tell us what's going on because you're not a real doctor. Like, let the yeah. real doctor speak. It's it's crazy. crazy it's like making. they're infantilizing him and the show is infantilizing them. It's yes. like <laughs> it's just annoying all around. Correct. <laughs> it's very annoying to watch. It's annoying all around. <laughs> um. So through the story. Yeah. He breaks his clavicle. We... I don't I don't really know why they do the tests to figure out that he has cancer. I think that um, maybe he's complaining of abdominal pain. Right. Well, he passed out. That's why. Yeah. He passed out and they were trying to figure out why he why passed he out. Passed and the clavicle yeah. happened when he passed out. Yeah. So it turns out that he has esophageal and then stomach cancer. It started in his esophagus and then metastasized. <laughs> it, it's like the carburetor. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Uh, so it spread to his stomach, and it's pretty serious. And so they are running tests. They're monitoring him. Um, and they, of course, want to start treatment, but they want to make sure that, well, one, George's father is a very large man. Yeah. And so Yang is brought in to um, basically check and make sure that his heart can um, sustain him during the surgery because they want yeah. to remove the cancer. Yeah. And that's like the whole purpose of, um, that's ultimately the whole purpose of Callie's labored car analogy is right. to explain that like the surgery that he needs to remove the cancer is extensive because the surgery has spread. It's so extensive that they have to make sure that his heart can handle the surgery. Right. So they run tests on his heart only to find that his aortic valve is leaking. And that has to be repaired before they can then go in and have surgery to remove the cancer and then begin him on chemo and radiation. Correct. Again, like, not fucking rocket science. Like, this isn't hard for anyone to explain if you explained it to them in that way. Um, And so it's just, it it really snowballs, like, George is, um, George is battling a lot of things at one time in this episode. And credit to T.R. Knight, who I think does a really nice job Mm -hmm. of um, being frustrated and being shell-shocked and being terrified and 
like trying out this new assertiveness thing as well. I totally agree. It's good. Like, it's a it's a good episode for him. Yeah, I feel real. like, and this highlights it for me. And I think like in the previous episode that ha- it was highlighted a little bit, but that T.R. Knight is really a dramatic actor. Yes, yeah. he excels in dramatic moments. He's not very funny no. at all. <laughs> it's not um, natural, and I think that's why George presents as such as an annoying character in the beginning of Grace because it's so comedy forward in the first, you know, few in the first two seasons or so. Yeah. That like George really falls flat. And it's in like moments like these where you can see TR Knight and George's character really shine. Yeah. 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 Because um there are several scenes there there are like two big scenes between TR Knight and uh Sandra O. Oh. And Sandra O oh, obviously I mean to my mind she is probably the most effective actress on the show. Mm. And that has nothing to do with my incredible love for her and just being in love with her whole thing. Um, but she's just really, really good. Um, and T.R. Knight, like, does really well in those scenes. Like, those scenes between George and Yang are deeply felt and hard to watch because they are so charged with this tension over mm-hmm. what the fuck is happening with Burke. I feel yeah. like there's something I don't understand um, in George's case. And like my dad is going to need a heart procedure. Like now is not the time to be fucking around with me, right. Christina. Um, but the first scene actually is when um, – George has just gotten the cancer diagnosis. Um, The chief is going to be coming in later to talk to the O'Malley's about that diagnosis and next steps. Um, But George needs to talk to them at at that point. And he can't he can't bring himself to do it. Right. Which is why you don't practice medicine on your family. On your family. Um, And it's. It's a really strong moment when Yang steps forward, literally in Harold O'Malley's room to explain to him like what what has happened, that he has cancer and that right. it's that it's bad. Yeah. Um, and the entire episode, like George has been seeking out Christina because while he can't be involved in his father's treatment, Bailey has given him the chance to choose the intern that he'd like to assist on the case. And he chooses Christina because, as he says, she's the best intern in the hospital. Well, we find that out later through Harold, that that's what George has told Harold. That's what he told his dad. But later on, he has this monologue between there's this monologue between them where he says, like, you're a robot. Like, and it feels like that's essentially why he chose her. He's like, you're good. Yeah. But you're a robot. And so I know you'll get the job done. Um, but he's asking her to be human because like all throughout this episode is this background thread of George being a detective and trying to figure out what's going on with Burke. And he knows that Christina knows something because she gives it away. Like her, you know, her emotions, her face betrays her when, uh, they find out about the aortic valve and he wants Burke to do it. Um, and Christina sort of like falters a little bit she freezes yeah and um and so of course that he's already suspecting something is wrong and so he now of course doggedly wants to know what it is um and so he's you know chasing her around the hospital to say like i know something's up and i know you know what's up yeah and you you need to say because this is my father's life and in the monologue where he calls her a robot he's like i initially chose you because i thought you'd get the job done but now i'm asking you to be human yeah and i'm asking you to realize that my father's life is going to be in burke's hands so if something's going on you need to say yeah and she doesn't and she doesn't and it's like i feel like the episode does a really good job of setting you up to believe that Yang is going to do the right thing and that she wouldn't do this to George. She wouldn't perpetuate this lie with George. Well, not even that she wouldn't do it to George, but that you can see visibly, like Sandra Oh is doing such a great acting job. You can see that the pressure of 
this whole situation of everything that she's been working so hard to cover for Burke, to do these surgeries that are probably, they're not outside her scope because she's smart. She's a great surgeon, but they're things that she wouldn't normally be doing as an intern. Um, And so the pressure is on for her to be studying, for her to be the best because she's acting as Burke's hands. Yeah. Um, and you can just visibly see in Sandra O's performance the pressure mounting. Yeah. And now pressure is being applied in a different way, and it just feels like that is going to break her. Yeah. That's what you see, especially in, I feel like, the monologue that she has with George's father, where she comes in and she says, George is the best. He's the best intern. He's a good doctor and he's a good person. And whatever happens, I just thought you should know that that you raised a good person. This is after George's father has told her that George has said that she's the best and keeps everyone on their toe on their toes. Um, and you can see in that monologue in that performance that she's saying she's basically saying, like, I'm not a good person, yeah. you know. I'm keeping this big secret. I'm doing things that are, like, morally reprehensible. Yeah. It feels like she's going to break. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It definitely does. And um, it's just, like, as a diehard (laughs) Yang supporter, I'm just like, do the right thing. Do the right thing. Damn it. Um, And... Yeah, George is, George is pretty savvy throughout, you know, like trapping Yang and Burke into lies and calling them out on it, piecing it together. Bailey overhears the conversation mm. ultimately between Yang and uh, George where he says, something's wrong with Burke, isn't it? Um, and Bailey, Bailey overhears that. And it's like a really dramatic shot of Yang leaving the hall. And you see that behind Yang was Bailey looking through like surgical supplies, and you're just like, "Fuck!" Mm. Like I like I, I made that sound while like, watching the episode. I was the like, fan. "Oh no!" <laughs> um. So yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's a great episode. Um, they're putting in the work for sure. These for these two sure. actors and um. Yeah, I would say it leaves you in a pretty anxious space related to one Harold O'Malley. It's yeah. not looking great. Yeah. His entire yeah. body is basically like, bye. <laughs> right? It's having a hard I'm time. I'm done with this. Having a hard time. I'm done with this. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, this is the episode with Breakable in it. Yes. I got it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Is there anything else that we need to talk about before we move on to this week's M&M? Nothing important. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Great. Okay. 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 Teardrop ranking. Uh, I gave this episode, I think five tears i don't actually know that i quantified it Uh, i probably said like all of the tears just like crying sobbing emoji (laughs) right exactly uh yeah all of the feelings throughout i want to call out a few things like um george and yang Mm -hmm. talking ellis and meredith at the end when ellis is talking about i'm gonna have to raise this child alone and meredith sees Mm -hmm. in real time what was going through her mom's mind back in her childhood. Yeah. Wow. Fuck me up. Uh, Yang's... <laughs> Fuck her up. Yeah. Yang's whole monologue to Harold about George being the best of them. Um, Addison. Addison takes her wedding rings. Ooh, and, and she's been the wearing boat. them. And she hasn't known what to do with them. Callie's like... <laughs> Callie. Callie's stepping in with like... I'm like, yes, that is that is representation. <laughs> She's like, you got to burn those. <laughs> those are bad juju, like my mom would say. And I was like, that's exactly right. You got to put those things in the freezer. Um, but Addison doesn't do any light Santeria. Instead, she takes a fairy um, 
and she th- she like pauses over the railing and then chucks them into Feels the sound because Derek loves mm-hmm, ferry because Derek loves ferry boats. Oh, kill me! And then she just like oh has the smallest breakdown afterwards. So yeah. sad. And then of course Chandra is singing "God Bless the Child" to her son on the phone to right. end the episode. Ugh. Oh my god! This wow. episode was so fucking sad. Wow. They're really oh. just like ramping up the tear time a lot in this episode. Of feels a lot of feels. Yeah, every single moment was just like a knife in the fucking yes, heart. Yes, that's exactly right. Like, oh, I've been punched in the heart again. Oh, and again. This is nice. Uh, what about the on-call room? No time for sex. No time too for many sex. Tears. Too many feelings. Yeah, too many feelings. Song of the week. It's Breakable by Ingrid Michaelson. I actually yeah. really love this song. I love Ingrid Michaelson yeah. in general. Just like Gina a, gasped a as she was watching. like sad white woman singing. Oh, really? Oh, now you have some generosity of spirit for plaintive, sad white women? Oh, no, 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 no. I don't need them in my life. I just need them to sing me music. I legitimately have a playlist on my phone called White Women with White Wine. And wine is spelled W-H-I-N-E. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> um, I love the Ingrid Michaelson. I'm actually not an Ingrid Michaelson fan, but Ooh. that song is used to great effect. Um, and so is the Watson Twins. Um, I always love a good Watson Twins cover, and they have a really nice song in this one. Um, death Tally. None None. Deaths. None yet. Death of your feelings. <laughs> yeah. 007. Uh... Mm. I said emotionally, Christina. Mm, mm-hmm. um, but in an actual yeah. doctoring sense, it's always going to be Burke. It's got to be Burke. Because, like, just malpractice. Every day he's choosing to continue <laughs> to operate. Yes. Yes. When he knows that at some point he could just, like, shakily stab someone with a. Oh, God. <sighs> he can't even get a fly on the end of a fishing rod. Wow. Anyway, all right. Um,. Yeah, I, I would have to say probably Burke um, as well. Terrible choices. Karev of the week? I just said not Alex. He's the best. Yeah, Alex. Alex is great. Yeah, Alex is Alex great. gets it. Alex Patrice is great. thinks Alex is great. <laughs> Teresa thinks Alex is the cutest he ever is in this episode. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, for Karev of the week, I... I went with I went with Yang um, just like ah, just tough luck tough luck for my fave yeah tough luck but then for chief residence I said paradoxically Christina Yang out of the interns she decannulates a heart by herself Ooh, to start true. out the episode and that is that spreads like wildfire throughout the hospital that's like a really big deal and she does really good work with Harold. Both delivering Agreed. news to him and then having that conversation with him later. Um, you know, she scrubs it on the endoscopy. Like, she's she does really excellent work this episode. She's just making the worst choices while she's doing good yes. work. Um, and then I also said, you know, like, Sloane is an asshole for pretty much all of this episode. Um, but he does, like, have concrete tasks for his interns to do Mm. (laughs) gives them very clear responsibilities that's true and then leaves them alone to do those responsibilities yes i was like this seems like what medical school should probably be about i can get behind that (laughs) what about you i did not actually give chief resident to anyone but i think like you've made a strong case for (laughs) both yang and sloan (laughs) thanks so much (laughs) um what about line of the week i'm trying to save lives here do you understand you? Ooh, my line of the week. Uh, <laughs> my line of the week actually came. So there is just like a small interstitial that happens where um, Addison and Derek go to see the chief <laughs> uh, because Derek discloses to Addison that he thinks that um, Chief Weber is depressed. And so they go in to talk to him 
um, and say like, oh, we we both think you're depressed. And the chief says, for the two of you to agree on something, I must be damn near suicidal. (laughs) (laughs) And I just really liked that line. Um, I think that Eric Dane actually has a lot of really funny moments in this episode. There's one moment when he (laughs) it's it's wonderful timing. He walks in. And um, Alex is uh, has just pulled up his shirt so that Izzy can feel his peck mm-hmm. while she's feeling Frank's new peck implant because Frank insists that they feel perfectly natural. And he's like, feel his peck. Like, you'll see what I'm saying. And, and fucking Sloan walks in, takes one look at this scene and just goes, This, this is why I don't work with interns. And then he has another moment with Karev. Um, this is at the beginning of the episode. Karev is like trying to stand up for Izzy throughout the episode. And he says to Sloan, actually, Dr. Stevens is an excellent doctor. And Sloan just has a really great pause and then goes, yeah, that's what I hear. <laughs> Walks out. It's a it's a solid. It's a solid roast right there. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, my sentimental line of the week is when Alex surprises us all and says, Alex, Alex gets, gets it. it. And I'm like, ah, I want to kiss your face. Mm. You're so cute. So cute. Um, medical fact of the week. I did not have one. I thought it would be interesting to know what it means to decannulate a heart. Oh, I also tried to look that up, but could not find yeah. much information. Um, and... Because at the beginning of the episode, um, at the beginning of the episode, George walks in on Christina assisting Burke with this procedure on a patient because Mm. George wants Christina to be the intern assisting on his father's case. And he sees that Christina is allowed to decannulate a heart. And he says out loud to another, like, nurse or physician in the room, is she decannulating a heart by herself? And the guy's like, yeah, dude, it's unbelievable. And then we hear the phrase, decannulate a heart. Oh, so man. Like, times. honestly, if you drank every time you heard the phrase, every time you heard the word decannulate, you would be under the table by the end of this episode. Um, and so yeah. I would love to know what it is. Um, Specifically in regards to a heart. Like, when I tried to look it up, the only yeah, thing is that. Yeah, tracheotomies. Yeah, exactly. It's about taking out a tracheotomy tube. And so I'm wondering if maybe. It feels yeah, I don't know. Like so, a decannulation of a tracheotomy is like removal of the tube. Yes, and so a decannulation of a heart to me would be like, um, if there's an aortic valve, like so, it's called aortic decannulation, and so like a, a valve is like a tube. So yeah. you are removing the aortic valve. Mm-hmm. Like if the valve is faulty in some way, like you are decannulating the heart of the or aortic valve. Okay, maybe yes. Um, but <laughs> that is. But we don't know. So doctors, that is my best hit us up. Yes, cardiothoracic <laughs> surgeons who listen to this episode probably a zero amount of people. Please hit us up. <laughs> Please. Please let us know. But I I assume that's like the first step of like a valve replacement would be like maybe removing, you know, like separating the heart from from the valve. Okay. In order to replace that valve. Well, I obviously don't have any medical training. So whatever you say (laughs) sounds great. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I'm I'm excited to uh, have my partner listen to this episode and immediately tell me how wrong I am about the human body, as I always am. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Our other our other medical fact of the week is what, Patrice? Wash your hands. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I don't know, Teresa. We didn't discuss this. <laughs> You're like, this why, is the same why do you thing? keep throwing these curves? This is the same thing as earlier. I wouldn't be confused if you I discussed feel like this Patrice should be able to read my eye contact now. And I wasn't looking at you. We're working on it. It's <laughs> wash your fucking hands. Wash them. Practice social distancing for 20 seconds. 
listen to our podcast. Wash your hands for 20 seconds, not practice social distancing for 20 seconds. <laughs> no, practice social distancing all the time. Um, wash your hands all the time. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. It's not just it's not about you is the thing. Just remember, it's not about you. It's about other people. It's about us. Who could get real, real sick and die. Um, Cool, cool, cool. While you are practicing social distancing, you might want to entertain yourself by binge watching Grey's Anatomy and then listening to our recaps. That's probably a good idea. Yeah. You know where you can do that? (laughs) Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. any other place. Yes. But specifically Apple Podcasts, subscribe. Rate us five stars. Leave us a really nice review. Yeah, like we've been asking for a long time, nice, so and no one's doing it. Really feels like that. We probably tells us something about now. our listening numbers. Um, yeah. You can also find us on Stitcher, on Spotify, on uh, Acast. Love that enunciation. Spotify on Acast, on Podbean, our wonderful host, on iHeartRadio, probably on Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcast, we're there. There are no excuses. All the places. Find us on Twitter. At code underscore grays underscore. Email us mm. if you're a cardiothoracic surgeon and you want to explain what decannulation of a heart is in like five sentences. You can email us codegrays at gmail.com. Send Teresa a letter. Her address <laughs> is. I'm kidding. <laughs> and uh, you can also find us on Instagram at codegrays podcast. Um, That's it, right? That's what we got. Yeah, that's our show. Thanks for listening. Yeah. See you next week. Wash your hands.